When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today we're going to talk about install for camp and our focus will be on the cornerback position and joining us is the corners coach at Sacred Heart, Brandon Napoleon. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to get rolling. So Coach Napoleon, you have some history with guys who have been on the podcast both recently and in a repeat performer and the guys from Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, recently we had Matt Myers on as the new head coach and of course uh, Matt Drinkle is a, a regular visitor to the podcast. So uh, your college experience started at West Virginia, but you ended up at Kansas Wesleyan. Tell us a little bit uh, just about that move, obviously hitting a number of different places there, and then finishing up at Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, you know, coming out of high school, um, highly recruited, and going to West Virginia was always a dream. And uh, I tell kids all the time, you got to go into college humble because that's definitely uh, was a humbling experience to go to West Virginia, highly recruited, um, become redshirted, go through the whole freshman thing, and you know come out at the end of my whole career at a NAI school of Kansas Wesleyan. It took a toll on your mental, but it actually made me the man I who I am today. You know perseverance, and no matter how many schools or stops I had to go through, still ended up with my degree, still ended up pretty successful. So. And attest to my story now, which I can go back and tell my players and different recruits just to keep pushing, uh, keep striving forward, and everything will be everything. You know, I ended up meeting a lot of great people along the way, such as Matt Drinko and Coach Myers. Those, uh, Coach Drinko, I still talk to him to this day. So it's definitely a mentor in the game for me. So in, in looking at that, and obviously probably even more than when you played uh, with the transfer portal uh, being a big part of the game today, and certainly kids can really have that push to move schools and, and maybe prematurely too, right? And I'm sure yes, that's sir. part of your, your message, right, to to just keep going at it. Yes, sir. I mean, like I said, I mean, I was a test to I transferred out of West Virginia and Northern Iowa and transferred two more times after that. But, you know, uh, the transfer portal can be a beast in himself if you don't know what you're really looking for. If you're looking for a spot to grow at, you know, you know what you're looking for. But if you're just looking – Say you had a, a good season at a D2 and you're trying to bump up D1 and you don't necessarily have the tools or you don't have the, the pull to reach out to some D1 schools and they might not see your film. You know, there's about, I remember at Buffalo when I was there last year, it was like 2,000 people in the portal at one time and that was when the portal just opened. So, 
you don't want to get lost in the portal nowadays. I mean, back back in 2014, 15, when I entered the portal, it was even no transfer portal. <laughs> you know, it was just you're, you're a transfer, and you can reach out to schools, and they can reach out reach out to you. But you know, today is today is like a free agency now. Yes. Well, in, in looking at that, this is your first opportunity to officially lead a room. I know you've had different roles in your time as a coach, but looking at now this opportunity to teach the cornerbacks, to install the defense with your guys and get them ready for game day. What's your approach and mindset that you have going into this? Uh, going into this opportunity, it was uh, take everything I learned from all the years. Um, and obviously at Geneva, I was the pass game coordinator and, and you know, I'm not knocking D3 ball, but I was a lower, a lower level. So now I'm dealing with scholarship players and scholarship recruiting. It's just to come in here and do the best I can. I've been always coming with a work mindset, a hard hat mentality, and just hit the ground running and make sure my corner group is the best group on the field that they can be. And taking everything that I learned from Buffalo, um, it was a grind. You know, Coach Maurice Linguist is a is a DB guru, guru in my mind. So just being able to learn from him and take the tools from him and being able to apply that to my guys here has been uh, – it's been it's been phenomenal. I mean, they've been taking information, they've been taking the coaching and the film breakdown that I bring to the table and things of that nature. They've been taking it and applying it to the field, and you can definitely see a transition. And hopefully, like I said, when the pass come on in camp on August sixth, you know everything just flows how it should. So now, as as you're getting ready to get things going here, and you know, as we record this, it, it is before August, but it's going to get going here pretty soon. What have you done in, in your planning and install you feel that will set you guys up for success? Well, the, the, you know, the grunt work of being a GA, just the visual drawings. I mean, people take that for account, but being able to just present information during installs in a flavorful way that you don't lose your player's attention. So, you know, I, I learned that from Buffalo, from Coach Rod Ojong. He was my safety coach when I was a GA. And all the installs that I had to make or he made or showed me how to make, they all had colorful colorful font, uh, different pictures that match different sayings. Just so it could always pop to, to my guys' eyes. But they don't watch film for three, four hours, go through an install for two hours, and they're just looking at the same PowerPoint and pictures. And now they're actually looking at colorful pictures. You know, it's some, some slides are funny. We drop a little MP4 in there, so it's like – you know, if it was a SpongeBob uh, saying that match what coverage we was running, we'll pop that in there. So, you know, the kids always expect to have a fun time during filming and so on. That just brings a different type of, of, of light. Also, you know, going through walkthroughs. I mean, the walkthroughs that we went through at Buffalo were pretty intense, but also had everybody on their toes. And I'm bringing the same, I'm implementing that same thing for my corner room. Um, you know, we're doing installs just for our guys. I mean, obviously we go out as a defense to do it together, but just want our guys to be a little bit sharp. Like I said, I don't want to fall on my face on my first FCS job. So just make it every, make sure everything is everything um, when it comes to that as well. And then the film room, just the players knowing that I played the game at a at a high level as well. I can actually attest and talk to different manners of how we're watching film, how we're watching that receiver's back leg how we're watching his stem and his routes, how is he getting in and out of his routes, and et cetera, and being able to feel how they feel when they're actually on the island by themselves because I actually play the position as well. So they have a little bit more comfortability with me on the field. Yeah, and you mentioned the the walkthroughs, obviously, after you install some things in the classroom. It is a lot of walkthrough. And you have to work at those too, though. Though the speed is slowed down, the teaching has to continue. So what's your approach with the walkthrough and what are some of the things you mentioned picking up from coach Lin- Linquist? 
us when the walkthroughs, you know, it it was uh, like you said, walkthrough. We have a walk walkthrough, and then we have like, oh, you know, the coaches or us GAs, the, the, the guinea pigs. You know, we were running the routes, and so we go from a walkthrough, like walking through everything, to we'll get it in the formations and we're spreading out. We'll have like a script in front of our hands, all the GAs or players that we wanted to give a look. And now we're running the routes full speed. We're hitting the hole full speed, but it's on it's on bags and on air, you know. But that was that was different for me because you know usually like you said a walkthrough is a just a walkthrough, but now we intensify the walkthrough into like almost like a seven on seven scene, but with you know the plays that we're going to see throughout practice or the week, but just getting extra reps at them. So you know we were jogging through the reps and it will speed up a little bit and. It was it was it was good for our guys to see that twice or three times a day, and then you know they go into the game comfortable. So when you you get out to the practice field, you know let's let's start with the individual periods here, and uh, certainly all kinds of drills out there. But for you, what what are you looking for in the drills that you're going to use within your individual periods? Oh, for sure. So I always go off of whatever we're installing. So for sake, we're just you know, doing man-to-man stuff. So I break it down, you know, usually get 20 minutes in So I break it down into different segments of A, B, C, D, agility, block destruction, contact, and developer. So obviously my agility, I usually work the same agility, which is the partner W drill, the buddy W. Where we're, first of all, we're going to backpedal. We have two people in the line, five yards spread apart. And the guy that's in the front, five, yard, five yards in front, is he's mimicking being a receiver, but he's in a pedal as well as well as the guy behind him in the pedal. So he can break at two yards, three yards, but he's pedaling and we're basically doing the W drill, but it's not me clapping or blowing a whistle. It's off of the first guy in front of you. The second guy behind you is now breaking when you are, whenever you play and drive. So we'll do that as an agility every day as an E D. And then we get into the same thing an M in an M form where we're doing a uh, sideways shuffle run. Same type of thing, a buddy M. And that's using my agility uh, just to get your feet moving, hips moving. Uh, implicated man, now we get into block destruction. And I might do block destruction and contact in the same same two realms so I can knock out 10 minutes at a time. Where I might just do, uh, you know, a shimmy tackle drill, close and sh- uh, track a shimmy drill, along with a sideline tackling drill, along with a button press drill. Uh, just to get those out the way. So I can button press, track a shimmy, sideline tackle all in one and keep that going so my, now my block structure, my contact are out the way. And when we talk about developer, developer is just developing our man-to-man technique that we're doing for the day. It could be cover two, and we're going to develop our cover two technique. But when we talk about man-to-man, um, I'm a pure step type of guy, so we're going to work our pure step box drill where we're just going to line on the line. We're going to take a 16 step across the line. Uh, we're going to work that each way, each foot, and then we're kick 45 from that stance, and then we're counter release from that stance as well. And then we're going to go on to routes with our team receivers on air. Um, and that's usually how, like, if I was going through a progression, I uh, keep it in that manner A, B, C, D, agility, block, destruction, contact, and developer. So, looking at different techniques and the things that you ask your guys to do and, and not being too far removed from your playing days, for you, what did you feel was the most difficult thing for a corner to learn, especially a young corner? And how do you account for that in your coaching? I would say eye discipline. In high school, you you see somebody catch 10 picks, but then you look at their picks and they're usually, you know, a quarterback getting hit, the ball's in the air, and that's a lollipop. Um, when you get to college, the quarterback's a little better, putting the ball on the money, 
And what you see usually is a, a guy get out his break and snap his eyes straight to the quarterback and then miss the ball and the ball straight to the receiver. So what I like to implement in my drills are every break that we have or every break that we do, I have a guy, uh, I, used to, I used to have a GA stand where they're going to break and my DB's eyes will have to get to the GA and he'll throw a number up, one, two, three, four, five, with his hand, and they have to scream the number out. So I know your eyes are your man. They'll scream the number out five, and then right when they scream the number out, now they can snap the eyes to me, and I'll throw the ball. So it actually has worked the wonders. Um, just like I said, I'm not throwing the ball. Like sometimes, you know, a guy will miss, or he'll get out his break, and he'll look right at me. I'm not throwing the ball. You have to do the rep again. And now when he gets his eyes to the hip, numbers coming out, He'll get his eyes back to the ball, but it's worked and it's been effective uh, in game time situations. How do you handle, you know, as you get into team or even seven on seven, uh, how do you break up who's going to watch each corner, right? It's difficult to have eyes on, on both those guys mm -hmm. on opposite sides of the field. So how do you guys handle that? So, like I said, I've been in since March, but in the spring ball, I was, you know, the eye, I was the eye in the back of the field. I'm sitting all the way in the end zone so I can have a full vision on both corners and, uh, a test of Buffalo when I was I was in the booth, so it definitely helped me last year being in the booth to see the whole field because they they used to make me draw the pass concept that was coming out the whole field pass concept concept of the other team that was coming out in the booth as it was going on and then also having to tell my safeties coach what the safeties were doing along with the play so it was intense up there but now when I look back on it and I'm sitting at spring practice right here at Super Hard. I, I'm able to see, if I'm looking at the left corner, I can still see the right corner, what he's doing. So I can still, it, it's crazy that my vision can expand like that, but I'm able to watch both ends from my, my own peripheral. Now, when we get in game time, I think I'm on the field, so I'm a, we might have to talk about that. Somebody's going to have to help me, but because from the sideline, it's a little bit different. But I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'll take the I'll take the far side, and maybe our, our uh, GA can help, and he'll take the near side, but we'll have to the game plan and talk about that. Looking at the evaluation in camp and, and starting to figure out, you know, I mean, you've done, they've done some things already, spring ball, et cetera. So there's a, there's something going in and guys are slotted, but as you start to look at who's going to get time, who's going to rotate in, uh, who's going to be in a sub package, whatever it might be. How do you objectively evaluate that so that players have a clear understanding of where they're performing and, and uh, what the expectations are for them to improve on that and have an opportunity for time. Oh, for sure. Well, coming out of spring ball, like I said, I got here in the spring and I made it a point to make every rep you have to compete. So, yeah, we're going to have ones and twos, but the depth chart comes out Monday. We're going to have ones and twos, but I'm making it a point that every day the, the chart might change. Because I have guys that right now, I'm, you know, six, seven deep, and probably six, six or seven guys can start and go on the field. If you roll your helmet on any given day, we won't miss a beat. So it's going to be heavy competition. I think that's healthy for the room, and I'm letting that be known on day one. So there's no surprises that – you know, we come out here. You know, we play Lafayette, Lafayette September third on the week, on the Monday that we play Lafayette. We might have two starters that go in and starting, and by that Friday, we might have two different starters because they practice that well throughout the week. I want to keep everybody on their toes, everybody sharp, and everybody rotating. But I evaluate just off of hard work and effort, being consistent and in practice. You know, you can have a good Monday practice, and you come out Tuesday and it's sloppy. Wednesday is sloppy. You have a good practice Thursday. I'd rather take the guy that's had a hold consistently 
average or to good practice Monday through Friday. So I know when he gets in the game, he knows what he's doing. And I can count on him to be consistent and play well at that level. And uh, also, you know, summer workouts definitely help. I know some coaches or some people think, you know, if you don't, if you slag off in the summer, you don't come in the summer, it's fine. You can just come and camp and ball out. But I like, I like players who work hard and I like to give rewards for you working hard. As long as you're making plays on the field as well. You know, this is a, you, know, you got to make some plays for me. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I like to get the ball out the air. So turnovers and takeaways, hard work and effort, definitely play a counter to my guys playing time. Yeah, how are you evaluating production? Is that something you keep track of with your guys and, and goes into uh, an evaluation of playing time? Yes, sir. Something I got from Buffalo as well. You know, a little spread Excel sheet, giving nice formulas. So we just go off of, off of loaves, big plays, turnovers, you know, MAs, which is missed assignments. Any, anything that you could think of is all graded and tallied. And after practice, I'll come in and as I watch a film as a defensive staff, I'll uh, make notes and then, like I said, an Excel sheet so I can take notes on each play and be able to tally up what they did in that play, whether it was a big hit, assignment, blow for et cetera. And at the bottom of it all, it, it uh, has a calculation on the percentage on wins and losses and, and everything. And it tells me who graded out the best door practice. So, you know, film don't lie. And also the spreadsheet numbers don't lie. So I'm not skewing anything. They, they'll be able to see how they're doing and how their peers are performing and what I'm saying about their peers. Because after I'm done with the Excel sheet, I send the guys that Excel sheet. So now when they watch practice, before we before I even watch practice with them, they can watch practice on their own and have the notes on the Excel sheet and be able to see what I said about their reps and also learn and see what I said about other people's reps as well. It worked at Buffalo to wonders. So I took it here, did it in the spring, and our guys loved it. So it's something I'm continue to do. You mentioned loafs in there. How do you define loafs for your guys? If the whistle's not blown, you're still not running as a loaf, especially in practice. I mean, because it's, it's a habit. You can you can chase down somebody a whole a whole field, but in practice, they usually blow the whistle after the running back break for like 15 yards. So if you're not conditioned enough to run 10, 15 yards, uh, I consider that a loaf. I want to see you burst to the ball and keep running until the whistle's blown. And I remember that on the field because I'm taking notes as well on loafs. That's a big thing. Like I said, it's a culture thing. We pride ourselves on working hard, running to the ball here at Saker. So while I'm on the field, I'm taking notes on who's loafing. So when I get inside, I can remember as I'm watching that rep, okay, so-and-so loafed on this play. But, yeah, loaf is you, when that whistle blows, from the whistle blown to the end of whistle blown, you better be running to the ball. As you take a look at game day and the adjustments that you're going to make, you see something that's not up to par, or maybe they're hurting you with a certain route. Uh, maybe they're picking on a certain guy. What kinds of things are you looking at first in order to help you make that adjustment? And and, and at what point do you say, you know, we're, hey, we're going to change it up and go with a different guy? I just look at the technique. So, for example, if I'm a pure step guy, I put a lot of tools in the toolbox, you know, pure step, engineer, motor, whatever you want to call it. So if I'm a pure step guy and I'm telling the guys, you know, let's pure step on this receiver and it's not working, we're getting beat off the line, our feet aren't fast enough, he's a little bit quicker than us, then I might switch it up to, you know, let's go mirror motor. All right, let's go mirror motor and stop him at two yards, give him a cutoff, and we dictate his release after that. All right, now let's say that's not working again, okay, and I'm going to tell you, okay, let's play uh, off. <laughs> let's play off seven by one and read the cue. That don't work. Then we got to play seven by one, and our eyes are going to be locked on our, our receiver. So they they have different tools in their toolbox to be able to be successful. Like you said, at the end of it all, 
all else fails and it's just not working with that guy, we're going to have to switch it up. And at that point, it'll probably take about four or five times. I'm not really big on, you know, one of my guys get beat twice and you just take him out the game because that, that's not, you know, when I was playing, that's not how it really works. You know, you leave a guy in there for some fire. If it gets too heavy, like you say, you take him out. Well, Coach, in, in looking at everything you do on or off the field, I know you talked about some technical stuff today. You talked about teaching, but – you know, at the heart of it, what's the one thing you do as a coach that really gives your guys the winning edge? I bring a different amount of juice. And it might sound cliche, but that really brings the, the life out of your players. If you're in film and you're just dead and you're monotone, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna pick up on that. If you go on the field, you're walking on the field, they're going to walk on the field. If you're, you know, it's just a different mindset, different swag to have yourself, especially coaching the corners that make them feel comfortable and say, yo, I'm that guy as well. Like, my coach is that guy. I'm that guy. We're going to be good together. So, I mean, like I said, everybody's a good teacher. If you're at this level, I believe, or if you're a coach, I'm, you're a good teacher in your own right. I never doubt anybody teaching. Everybody, some people can recruit, some people can't. But to be with my kids, I just think the juice and the energy I bring, they know I love them and care for them. It just brings a little different, a little different play out of them, especially, like, at anywhere I have been. I love my players differently. I give them plates of food when they need food. I, I, you know, I do it by the book. I do it right. Uh, I ask the right question about their family. So they know that Coach Knapp cares about them 10 times over. So they know they're going to the field and play play lights out for me in, in the program. So I would say it'll be the juice factor and the care factor I have for those guys. Coach, you mentioned recruiting. What areas do you recruit? Well, I got New Jersey. I got three counties in Jersey, uh, Exus County, uh, Union County, and Hudson County. I got seven counties in Maryland. Uh, Maryland is pretty deep in Maryland. So the biggest thing I got is PG County. Uh, it was pretty good football over there. So uh, out of out of state recruiting, like out of my territory, I got Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I got New Orleans. So I'm tapped in with a lot of good football around. So you know, I'm trying to do the best I can. But, you know, I'm a Jersey boy at heart, so I'm trying to get all those Jersey guys. You know, we're only an hour, 30 minutes away, trying to get all those guys up to save your heart. You know, I ain't biased, but God, you got to touch home first. <laughs> well, you can follow Coach. It's at Coach Napoleon on Twitter. If you're in any of those areas or you have a great cornerback for him, make sure you reach out to him. Coach, I certainly appreciate you taking some time here before camp and giving us a rundown of – what it's going to look like here for you in the early days of the season. And certainly best of luck to you and Sacred Heart in 2022. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always tapped into your podcast. You're on a great one. You know, I listen to it every morning. So I definitely appreciate you having me on.